Welcome to In All Things. I'm Sierra, and I would love to welcome you into my living room to have real conversations with you about everything from forgiveness and personalities to community and discipleship. So let's imagine we're sitting on my couch and encouraging each other to seek Christ in all things. Hey everyone, welcome back to In All Things. Thanks for coming on for today's conversation. Um, today's title of the episode is called In Storing Oil. And you might have a lot of questions about that title. Am I talking about canning or prepping or cooking? What on earth? Actually, I'm talking about the end times today. And you'll see why I called it that later on. In the past couple of years, we have been hearing quite the increase of conversations regarding the end times. Um, churches are doing huge series on it. It's a topic of discussion from many Christian teachers, and we hear lots of prophecy theories thrown around, and many of us have started to dig into this on our own studies on the topic if we hadn't done that before. Um, I think we've become a lot more aware that we are indeed at least drawing nearer to the day when Christ returns. And because we are aware of that, we want to learn more about what the Bible says about the end times. To be completely honest, I never took a lot of interest in this topic either before the last couple of years. Um, I didn't really think it was for me to know. And you hear a couple of things here and there of what Revelation says, and you think, well, that's still a long way off, or that's for the scholars to learn about. Um, but I want to tell you that in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus about the signs of his second coming and the end of the age. And Jesus does not answer with, well, that's for me to know and you to find out. He doesn't say that kind of answer. He doesn't brush them off and he does not ignore them. Jesus answers them. He warns them of deceit and false prophets and of wars and earthquakes and famines. And he tells them of the signs of persecutions and to stand strong in their faith. He talks of the day that he will return and that everyone will be able to witness the event. And those who are in Christ will be taken to live with him. And those who are not will be left on the earth to witness a lot of devastation and a lot of destruction. And I want to focus on the part where Jesus answered them. So before we completely dive in, I kind of want to explain a definition so that we're kind of all on the same page. I will talk about the day of the Lord in this episode, which is otherwise known as the rapture. And this is when Christ comes back for his church, the believers here on earth, and we are taken up to heaven with him. This is not the full on second coming of Christ when Jesus and the believers in heaven come back and live on, on earth again. That comes later. So I just wanted to clear that up before we continue on. We see prophecies for the end times all throughout the Bible, including in Daniel, Jeremiah. Jesus talks about it in Matthew, as I just mentioned, and we have the entire book of Revelation. And honestly, that's just skimming the surface of where prophecies are seen in the Bible about the second coming. Um, and this is what I never realized before. That in and of itself, the fact that we see this all throughout the Bible should show you that this is not a topic to say, well, that's not for me to know, or it's too far off. No, he gave all of us the information that we need so that we can be prepared for the coming time. In Matthew 24, which I'd really recommend reading, by the way, I'll talk about it a lot, but it's a good chapter to read about this topic. Um, but in Matthew 24, Jesus outlines what we will see happening in the days leading up to the end. 
And so I'd like to read a couple of verses of what Jesus says. He says, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It's really easy to read that passage and look at the world to compare. Wars. Rumors of wars. Check. Right? (laughs) Nation will rise against nation. Check. Earthquakes in various places. Check. Many false prophets will appear and deceive. Check. We want to know a timeline, and Jesus knew that, and so to an extent, he gave us the things to look for. But he says, do not be alarmed. Do not worry. And then he also tells us that all of those signs, all of the things that I read and just mentioned, those will only be the beginning of the birth pains. And Jesus continues by saying that we will not know the day or the hour that these things will happen. Not even Jesus knows that. Only the Father knows. He compares it to the day Noah's flood occurs. Noah was told to prepare for the flood, which he did. And Noah told everyone that a flood was coming and they just ignored him. But not even Noah knew when the flood would come. He knew the flood would come, but not when. And Jesus said his second coming is going to be like that. We will be eating, marrying, living life up until the day that Jesus comes. And so we have a choice. Are we going to prepare for that day as Noah did for the flood? Or will we ignore like the rest of the population in that day? For those people who ignored, I can tell you how it ended for them. That flood came and everybody drowned. I know that's kind of morbid. But it's the truth. And I can tell you that when we read these end times prophecies from the Bible, those who ignore these truths for the return of Christ will have it so much worse. So while we don't know the exact time and the day, we were given signs to still watch out for these things. It's okay to notice and point them out. Some people might accuse you of of fear-mongering or speculating, But as long as you aren't trying to instill fear in others and you aren't naming a specific time frame for Jesus' return, you're simply pointing out biblical truths. You're simply pointing out that those birth pains that Jesus warned us about are gradually getting worse, just as the Bible says they will. When I first started learning more about eschatology, which is the study of the last days, I listened to a podcast called Eschatology. (laughs) Um, Two women created a podcast explaining the different views of eschatology because there are a lot of various different aspects of the end times and then multiple views for each of those things. Um, And honestly, I really recommend listening to their podcast. I don't agree with everything that they believe, but they present the views around the topic very well. Anyway, so in that podcast, they give a great analogy. The start of the analogy is one that we get from the Bible. The body of Christ is like the bride at a wedding. 
In fact, we are considered the bride of Christ. And the day of the Lord, which again is when Jesus comes back for the church, it's the rapture, that is compared to the wedding day. If you can just picture that in your mind, it is a beautiful image and super exciting. So these ladies in the podcast took that analogy a little bit further and said that when you get engaged, the engagement ring is a symbol of the guarantee that if you say yes, you are getting married. Similarly, if we accept Christ's gift and offer of forgiveness, his salvation, the cross is a symbol of the guarantee that we are getting to spend eternity with him. So exciting. Okay, so as I was thinking about this analogy, I took it even a little bit further because I was thinking when you're engaged, you know that you have something to look forward to, but you don't just sit on the couch waiting for that day. Because you have stuff to do. Uh, Reservations need to be made. A dress needs to be purchased. Maybe you're going to be house shopping, right? There's so much to do. And not only that, but you still have to be investing in your relationship with your fiance because that doesn't just stop once you said yes to getting married. So you have to be spending time with him or her so that you have a strong and healthy marriage. And in the same way, as Christians, we know that Jesus is coming back for us someday. No, we don't know when, but we do know that he is. And like a bride and groom preparing for their wedding, we should be preparing for that day by strengthening our faith, sharing the gospel, serving the Lord, and continuing to invest in our relationship with the Lord. I want to read a little bit from um, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, brothers and sisters, about dates and times, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We can learn several things from this single passage, but I want to point out two different things. One, this passage makes it very clear that the day of the Lord, which is again the rapture of the church, will come like a thief in the night. There's actually more scripture that I'll read a little later that talks about this analogy, but the main thing I want to point out here is in verse 7. Those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. We as believers belong to the day, the day of the Lord. So let us be sober. Let us be awake. Obviously, that's not to say that we don't need physical sleep, but we do need to be aware and watching for these coming events and not be distracted by what's happening in the world. We are told that these days will grow more and more difficult, much like the labor pains of a woman, this passage says, which also was said in Matthew. Standing strong and being aware is such an important part of being a believer and waiting for that day. Let's read another passage. This is also in Matthew, and it's the parable of the ten virgins. This goes back to our wedding analogy, and it's where I got my title of storing oil for this episode. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. 
The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming, but they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come and meet him. Then all of the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open up the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. These women in this story, they didn't know when the bridegroom was coming, but they knew he would be coming. Five prepared and five did not. Those who prepared were there to welcome the bridegroom and were welcomed into that wedding banquet. And those who were gone when he came, they were off rushing to try to get what they hadn't prepared for. And then they were turned away from the banquet. A similar story is in Mark 13. It says, but about that day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, only the father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servant in charge, each with their assigned tasks, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everybody, watch. So we can kind of see this common theme of not knowing the day or time and the theme of being on guard and being prepared. And there's yet another story in Matthew 24 about a master who goes away and leaves a servant in charge. Matthew gives two scenarios, one where the master comes back to the honorable servant and finds him running his household well, and the other scenario where the servant is not honorable and abuses his powers. Um, He's disrespectful to the other servants and just gets drunk, and the master comes back and, and witnesses the servant in these acts. And it reminds me of the days that I'm sure we all experienced when we were young. We were left home alone. Maybe we were babysitting our siblings and we hear our parents coming home and we quickly rush to do all of the chores that were left on that list (laughs) or to clean up the kitchen from the mess we made before they walk in the door. If they come in before it was all done, well, now it's too late, right? We experienced consequences. The wicked servant whose master came back as he was drunk and abusing his powers most likely was at the very least fired, and his reputation was probably ruined. So Jesus will come back for his church like that master, unexpectedly. Who's going to be ready? Who will be living their lives with honor and intentionally respecting the Lord? Jesus tells us that two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken and the other left. The Lord isn't just picking a person randomly here and there. No, he's taking home his people, those who have called on his name and have faith in him. I talked a lot here about being prepared. So let's chat a little bit about what it means to be prepared. It's actually really simple. Two things that I've touched on, but want to expound on really quickly. First is that we are not to fear, which I completely understand is way easier said than done. When we prepare, we do not want to be doing anything out of fear. We want to be doing it out of love for others and love and trust for the Lord. 
When we don't act out of fear, we can be obedient to the Lord to the fullest. The second thing I want to say is that Jesus is going to come unexpectedly. I've read that many times. Have you ever seen or read Left Behind? They were pretty popular in the 90s and early 2000s, and it was a fictional depiction of how the rapture would happen and how the Antichrist would come into the picture. But I want to note the word fictional. It portrayed the rapture correctly in the sense that it came unexpectedly. That was right. But it was wrong because it showed that Jesus would come for his church silently. Unexpectedly and silently are different. It's talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4, which says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So with those things in mind, we can better prepare for the day of the Lord. The first step is to get excited. It is incredible to think about the day that Jesus is coming for us and the rest of eternity is spent with him. Like that is a day in our future. That is so exciting. So with that excitement and the knowledge that Jesus could come at any time, we should have a sense of urgency, not a fear, but a sense of urgency to share Christ's love with others. Because when we begin to understand the realities of a believer's eternity and a non-believer's eternity, our hearts are going to break at the prospect of other humans suffering in hell forever. So be an example. Share the gospel with your friends and your family and strangers if you have the chance to. Ask the Holy Spirit for words and for guidance and prompting. I understand evangelism can be scary and it can be difficult, but when we ask the Lord to put us in situations and to give us the words and the guidance, it becomes a lot easier. Last month, we had a conversation about apologetics, which is the process of explaining why we believe what we believe. So digging into theology and apologetics could open up doors to have conversations with others, especially if they are skeptical of the Christian faith. Preparation also looks like investing in our relationship with Jesus, like I talked about with the preparing for that wedding. If we're actually planning a real wedding, we need to be investing in our relationship with our fiance as we need to be investing in our relationship with the Lord, preparing for the day of his return. So prayer, time in the word, learning the character of God, they all draw us closer to him and make us more like him through the process of sanctification. I did an episode on sanctification last summer, if you want to look that up. So eventually, I would like to have an episode with an overview of the eschatological views um, and what the Bible teaches. But I think knowing these things that I've gone over today is a good introduction to the whole concept of the end times. And I encourage you to learn more about the end times, to develop a desire to dig deeper, God gave us this information for a reason so that we can watch and be aware. I'm going to link a few resources in the show notes for podcast books and studies on the end times. One of the podcasts that I'll link is from Verse by Verse Ministries, which my sister Frankie talked about last year. And it's a sermon series on Revelation. And it is deep. Okay, so I want to preface that it is pretty deep and very detailed, But it is so good to know. And the pastor goes through Revelation literally verse by verse. 
as well as some of Daniel and Matthew, explaining what all of these prophecies mean using the Bible, not his own personal opinion, which is pretty difficult to find these days. Highly recommend listening to those podcasts, um, that sermon series. But I do hope that this episode was helpful and insightful for you today. I want to challenge you to start somewhere in learning about the end times, even if it's starting small. It is a huge topic. Um, But remember that we are called to stay awake and aware. Like when we are told that false prophets will come and deceive a lot of people. If we don't know what the Bible says, we will be deceived and we can't help others open their eyes as well. It's all just so important. It's all connected. As our world grows crazier and more stressful, we need to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode and make sure to check out the show notes um, for these links for more resources. But have a great day, everybody. I'm so glad you tuned in for today's conversation. I hope you are leaving uplifted in your walk with the Lord because that is my prayer for this podcast. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at In All Things Pod, and I would love it if you invited more friends into our conversations. You can also visit my website at inallthingspodcast.com. If this episode was encouraging to you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening platform because it helps the algorithms and it allows In All Things to be accessible to more people. See you next time.